Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Welcome to episode 234. Today we have Coach Kara Basile. She's the head girls basketball coach at Stewart School in Richmond, Virginia. Coach Basile played four years of varsity basketball at Monacan High School for Coach Larry Starr before going on to play four years at Franklin and Marshall College, a Division III school in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. At the conclusion of her senior season, FNM, Basile was selected as a member of the 2015 WBCA's So You Want to Be a Coach program, a program that is held at the Women's Final Four each year that helps collegiate women's basketball players who are interested in pursuing a career in coaching. After college, she returned home to Richmond, Virginia, and became an assistant coach at her alma mater, Monacan, for the 2015-16 season. The Chiefs finished 29-1 that season and won the VHSL Class 4 State Championship. In 2016-17, Basile was working on her master's degree in sports leadership in the CSL program at VCU while serving as a graduate assistant coach for the University of Richmond's women's basketball team under coach Michael Schaefer. Basile began coaching at the Stewart School in 2017-18 as the head JV coach and varsity assistant. In 2018, Basile took over as varsity head coach for the girls' basketball team at Stewart. In three seasons, her teams have gone 60-14 and 14 and qualified for the state tournament each year. They won the TCIS Conference Regular Season and Conference Tournament Championship in 2019. The Spartans have won back-to-back VISAA Division II state championships in 2020-21. She was named the VISAA Division II State Coach of the Year in 2020. Let's welcome Coach Kara Basile. All right, coaches. Hey, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Kara, it's ap- it's episode 234, man. It's I like, like it. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm always talking with great coaches around the country. Uh, I got Kara Basile from the head girls coach at Stewart school in uh, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, correct? Did I get that right? You got it. That's us. And, yeah. And I'm so excited to kind of get her. Uh, she, her topic is a great topic. Championing, championing female athletes. What can, what can we do as um, female girls coaches, whether it's male guys like me, what can we do to kind of, uh, you know, get them better kind of understanding their role kind of, and I, I think she's, um, she's definitely going to kind of get into how can we get our athletes better through a female's focus because I think a lot of us male coaches don't really get it, to be honest with you. Uh, but we're, we're here to learn and try to get our players better. 
Kara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. I listen, I listen all the time, so it's nice to be a part now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. We have some um, – I, I love the coaches in Virginia. I spoke to quite a few, a few of you guys already. So I'm so excited. You're part of the Championship Vision family right now, Kara. So, so welcome again. And, uh, hey, tell us about yourself. Um, are you – tell us where you grew up. Tell us how you kind of started playing the game and so forth. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, um, and started playing basketball, I guess. I guess it was probably the fourth grade. I have a twin sister, so we were big into soccer, but my dad always wanted us to play basketball. Like, that was his game. And um, ended up, you know, catching the bug and getting into basketball. And honestly, we we're probably better at soccer. But once you started playing basketball, that, that was kind of the ticket. We loved it. So um, grew up, born and raised in Richmond. Um, we both went to Monacan High School um, out in the Richmond area, which is on the south side in Chesterfield County. And um, played from uh, Larry Starr there. And he's still there. Um, he, he's a legend. He's, you know, one for uh, VHSL state titles over there, been coach of the year, God knows how many times. Um, but, I, you know, honestly, got a lot to thank him for um, and my myself, you know, becoming a coach because I think my passion with that and, and viewing the game almost as a coach in a lot of different ways came, came from him and my experience there. And we were lucky we played it. He was also our AAU coach uh, growing up. We played for Virginia Explosion and after that, went on to play Division Three basketball at uh, Franklin and Marshall College, which is a small little school about an hour east of Philly in Amish country. So had a blast it's in the Centennial Conference and um, played it all four years there. And I mean, such an awesome experience. Like people, and I know some of my, my own girls, you know, they think, you know, grass is always greener. You want to go Division One or bust, but I tell you, you, you get the best of both worlds going to Division Three. Um, and I was... I was super for I wouldn't have been a division one player anyways, but still having that opportunity to, you know, go to school, uh, play basketball, compete at a high level. Um, it was, it was a door opener for both of us. Um, and after graduated, I kind of knew all along and wanted to get into coaching and, and get into the sports world and all that. So um, my first year out of college, I had just had a back surgery. So I was, I was back in Richmond and coach star let me come back and hop on his staff and, at that time, he was, I mean, they were loaded. They had the number one recruit in the country and Megan Walker and um, all five of his starting five from that team went on to play collegiately and um, three, of the, three of those at the division one level. So, I mean, at, at that point, I kind of stepped into a program where we had coaches from all over the country coming in all the time. So it was such a great networking experience and um, awesome to kind of go back home and you know, as a player, you kind of know what your coach is, is all about, but then being on the other side with him and, and seeing why he's doing what he's doing, um, it, it was a huge learning experience for us. So back at Monacan and then uh, the year following, so I guess 2017, 20, no, 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 yeah, 2016, 2017, um, I got um, accepted into VCU CSL, Center for Sport Leadership Program, and it's a master's program up there. And, Man, it is it is awesome. If you're looking for a graduate degree, check it out because it's I think it's the best one in sports. And I was so lucky and so fortunate. And part of our curriculum there was we had to have a graduate assistantship. So um, I actually, since VCU and Richmond are so close, I was able to do my GA um, with University of Richmond under Coach Mike Schaefer. So I was there with them for the year. Um, you know, I had played at the Division three levels. So then being to go on. And, and, and see the inner workings of a division one level program. Um, just, it gives you a whole nother appreciation for, for what those coaches do and not, not just the coaches, but the support staff and everything that goes into a program at the division one level. Um, so that experience was, was unbelievable. And um, once finished my, my GA there, graduated from, from VCU, went on and um, one, of, one of the other, my other buddies at, at Monacan, uh, got me in touch with the head coach at Stewart School at the time, Robin D'Onofrio, and um, I went on as her JV coach there and her assistant varsity coach, and the following year she left, and um, I took over as a head coach at Stewart, and I've been there ever since, and this was my third season as head coach um, with the varsity girls there, and we, we've, I've been super lucky, walked into a great group of girls, 
um, and, and I really, they were all freshmen when I got there. So we've kind of all grown up together um, yeah. with six seniors this year leaving. So um, just kind of see them and groom them and, and help them with their development and see it all the way through to their senior year has been so rewarding. And um, I'm just really, really lucky to be where I'm at right now. Garrett, so you won two straight state championships. Is that correct? It's pretty amazing coming in as a new coach. None I, of I'm us can. You. I mean, that uh, I haven't won any state championships. I've, you know, I've had a lot of success. But to tell us, kind of, tell us your secret to success on taking this young team and kind of championing them then to a state championship. Tell us a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I was when I was with Coach Starr back in uh, 2015, uh, 2016. Um, we ended up winning the state championship that year. So I won as an assistant with him over at Monacan. And um, you really got to see, that's why I think, you know, working with him, is, it was just so important for me to see how we, you know, a championship program runs. Mm -hmm. And you say that and, and you want to be able to implement that. And I think a lot of people do, but you still also got to have the luck of the draw to, to make it all the way. Um, Cause you could be doing everything right. And you catch an injury or something like that at the end. Right. But um, for us at Stewart, um, Starting out with that group so young, I think number, the biggest thing is, you know, you got to have a vision of where you're going, and then you've got to get the kids to buy in, and everybody's got to buy into the vision, um, and they've got to buy into the work ethic and, and what's going to go into it. And if they don't believe in it, and they don't think it's going to happen for them, and, and they can't buy in, then it doesn't matter if you have the greatest X's and O's in the world because it it, it just can't happen. So I think for us, the biggest thing was changing the culture and changing the mindset um, of that group and, and really getting them to believe that, hey, this is within the realm of possibility. Um, and for us, we're a real small school and um, we had, you know, a lot of our girls on our team, they don't play basketball year round. They'll play during basketball season and that's it. Um, and we came in and, you know, suddenly, you know, we want, we want you practicing in the off season with us. And we want your time on the weekends and none of that had really happened before. Um, and, you know, at first it's kind of like cold feet and everybody's like, ah, I don't, I don't, this is not how we usually do things. That's right. Um, but they did, you know, I was like, well, it's not how we usually do things, but we don't get the results that you want. Right. So we kind of got to change some things. Um, and I, I was really fortunate and those kids really, really bought into what we were doing. And um, we kind of shaped honestly how we were doing things for us, what works for us is that we kind of shape it around who we have and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And then from that, it's growing that confidence and celebrating their successes. And I think especially for, for females, half the battle, a lot of times with these young girls and high schoolers is their confidence. Yeah. They don't think they can do it or they don't want to look silly trying new things and, and, and getting out there and putting themselves in front of their peers and in front of you know, their parents and all that kind of stuff. And what if they look silly? Well, if you believe it and, and, and you're willing to take risks and, and put in the hard work, you know, success, it'll come. And so I, I honestly think laying that foundation and, and that belief with those guys um, really carried us the long, the long haul. Yeah, for sure. And it's not easy in a small school. I, I'm, I'm currently at a small school. Yeah. And, um, it's not easy because you're losing six seniors. It's hard to replace. Now, what are you doing now, Kara? I don't know if you can replace six seniors, particularly the ones that you're probably talking about. Yeah. What's the next step for Stewart School? How, how do you kind of rebuild? So, um, yeah, definitely this group of seniors is one we're losing. You know, it, it's a big loss. Um, we've got Sharice Pittman. She's going on to play at James Madison University. Um, she's state player of the year the past two years in a row. Um, for VISAA Division II, which is what the, you know, state division that we're in. Um, and, I mean, she's just unbelievable. And we've got another girl, um, Amira Trainum, and she's my point guard. And she's been a captain on the varsity basketball team since she's in eighth grade. So she, uh, that's another one we're going to miss a lot. She's going to play at Emory and Henry uh, next year. So, um, but honestly, that entire group, like they've all developed into basketball players. And we have, you know, we got some good young kids coming up, which is awesome. But a lot of the rebuild kind of, we knew this was happening, we knew it was coming, but, and we had a lot of, we got a lot of talent in our middle school right now. Right. And so we knew coming into this season, there was a lot up in the air and we ended up not having a JV team, but 
just because, you know, with COVID, you know, for us, our protocols, we were testing weekly. Um, other schools we were playing were testing, all those kind of things. So right. we didn't have the JV team, but I knew how important getting those middle schoolers involved would be for the future of our program. And so we had uh, four seventh graders um, practicing with us all year. They came to everything, did everything that the varsity girls were doing, um, thrown into our offenses and defenses. And really, I think the most important thing for why we did that is because I want them to have those role models that our older girls have become because they weren't there originally. And they've really never, our, our current group of seniors, they never really had a group ahead of them. Like it was always kind of them leading the charge. Um, and, and they've been molding it themselves. And I think though, having those other female role models for them to look up to is so important. So getting those seventh graders in early with us was huge. So they practiced all year. Um, they've been working out with us. Um, got, got just kind of trying to catch the bug around Stewart. We, uh, we do a lot with, because we have a middle school program as well. So um, with that, you know, we have our older girls go down and help run practices with the middle school girls. Um, we'll send the girls down to the lower school which is like our version of elementary school. And right. we'll send them down there just to greet, you know, the young girls get out there, play with them at recess. Like you're just trying to catch the bug and keep it in your, in their ear that, you know, you want to be a part of something special. You want to be known in your school. And uh, you know, this is a path that we want you to take. And if you love basketball, man, you, you better get with us. So we're back in the gym now, um, you know, with our group of returners and, and the middle schoolers, just, more skill development right now kind of stuff. Um, but but we're, we're starting over brand new. It's going to be a little bumpy ride, but that's okay. That's right. But you have developed, it like you have developed that culture. I love what you're doing K through 12. It seems mm -hmm. like you have, that's a program, right, Kara? I mean, a lot of yeah. people come in, they focus on the varsity, but in small schools, it's K-12. Now, I, yeah. I teach K-5 PE, so. Okay. I know all the kids, so that, that helps me out and so forth. Uh, so I love what you're saying. Is that part of really kind of our topic today? Is uh, it's not like to me, your older players have to lead by example, right? Oh, 100%. And I think that's something that our coaching staff has really tried to groom this group of girls to be because number one, we need more female leaders. And, and you don't, you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily born a leader. Um, how do you lead? And, and on our team, especially with that group coming in, they were ninth graders with me when they started. There really were no other seniors ahead of them. So what does leadership look like? Well, there are a bunch of ninth graders with each other, playing with each other. Um, so we kind of had to start working and developing those skills. Um, and I think they, they've really responded to that. And I always tell my girls too, um, cause you know, I, I think at the high school level, this is no knock on, on Stewart at all. I think it's at a high school level across the country, really. A lot of these girls basketball teams are not valued as much as the men's basketball team. Right, for sure. You know, everybody wants to see the guy, they're so cool when they dunk, you know, which it is really cool when they dunk. But I think a lot of times these girls feel like they're taking second fiddle all the time. So for us, our biggest thing is we'll, you're not second fiddle and you are a role model at this school because hey we are a small school and k through 12 they know if you're a basketball player so when you're in the classroom you better be sitting in the front row taking your notes being respectful not talking when the teacher's talking because guess what you are an example and if not i'm the first one that's going to get the email about it because you're a basketball player and that's important to our school and that's important to your identity um, so if you have that extra layer of your responsibility is not only, you know, to yourself and how you act in school, but you're also responsible for, you know, how the rest of the school views your team and the rest of the community views your teammates. Um, I think it kind of gives them that, you know, they're more confident in their leadership abilities at that point. And they know that they have to be on their P's and Q's um, and do what they're supposed to do. So they've really taken that you know, by storm. And I think Stewart, what Stewart does do really well is integrate those, our lower, upper and middle schools. 
So of course, every year um, we do like a senior poster picture for our seniors and it, we go by season, right? So for the winter season, it's really just basketball, cheerleading um, and swim and dive. Well, once they make the poster, we send in our senior athletes to a particular classroom. Um, so the athlete then has like a meet and greet with other students, with the lower school students. So they, you know, they'll sign their autographs, they'll take questions, they'll encourage them to come to a game. And usually we do that on, you know, a week of a game. So then that night it kind of culminates with a lower school night and they're out and all their families are excited. And those kids, the younger ones, are then more interested to come because they know somebody on the team. And that person has paid attention to them and is, was looking out for them. So we want to be there to support you. Um, so just little things like that of kind of making sure that our kids know that they are different and they are looked at differently for being women's basketball players. And our expectation is that you are acting and behaving at the highest level as you would on the court, as you are in the classroom, as you are in the community. Um, and they, they've done an excellent job. Yeah, for sure. I really believe in that too, Carrie. Uh, just recently we had our, um, our basketball camp. Uh, I think we had like 40 something, you know, K fivers in there. Talk about it. Talk about crazy. And my players, oh, yeah. my players go in there and they told me afterwards that, man, I'm exhausted. That's what they were telling me. It's like, Hey, Hey, this is what it is when you teach little kids, man. They, they want that attention. But what was really cool, I had a dad email me, and he said, my kindergarten girl, and she was the cutest girl, uh -huh. uh, I had one of my players really take the time to work with her and teach her. And I was almost in tears with the email. Away. And I, I, you know, I don't have it right in front of me, but he said, basically, he said, she is going to be a lady titan just because the impact that my player Georgia had on her. And I, I sent that out to the school and I said, man, this is, this is what it's all about impacting our kids, not just our coaches, mm -hmm. our kids impacting the younger kids. That's important. Like you're saying. Mm -hmm. I think that's the power of sport. Um, it's such a unifier. And in so many ways when, you know, these kids can feel lost or, you know, like they don't belong, um, having sports and, and especially like little kids camps like that or how you can blend that community, it really helps bridge that gap for a lot of kids. Um, and yes, you might be inspiring the younger ones, but guess what? It helps those older ones too, because they're getting that return and they're seeing that, hey, my actions matter, how, how I act and, and how I treat others matters. Um, and, and man, if we had people think like that more in our world, we'd be a lot better off. No doubt. Don't you feel too, just on fundamentals, because I have my, I have my players have stations just like you do probably in your camps. Don't you think, I mean, I saw my kids actually teaching. I said, wait a second, you didn't, you didn't execute it like that when I taught you. I mean, they're I'm telling you demonstrating all the proper techniques. And I say, man, that's, that's really cool. And I think, and I, I tell my girls this a lot too, because especially when, you know, we had a lot of the seventh graders with us this year, my older girls were taking the reins and more when something would go wrong in practice or not go wrong, but there's an error on the offense or, or one, one of the little girl, younger girls is getting, you know, the ball taken from her a couple of times before I can even correct it. One of those, our older senior girls is stepping in and being like, hold on, that's not how coach wants it. This is what we're looking for. And this is why we're doing it. I mean, number one, it makes you a proud coach, but number two, I think, having your older kids be able to communicate that and teach that to, to their teammates is even more powerful because those younger kids already look up to those older kids. And if they're getting that message from them, well, well they're going to make sure that happens. Um, and, and I just, I think it's great for, for the older girls and the younger girls at that point. Coach, that, that's culture, right? I mean, if you had a <laughs> definition of what you just said, that's culture, right? It's what you do every day, correct? I mean, absolutely. You can't put like sayings on the wall and you just got to watch people, right? What they do, their actions, correct? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, at that point, that's when I knew like we've, we've really changed it here. You know, we're really on the direction that we want to go to. Um, Cause once your kids know that these are the expectations um, and they can spit them out and they're not just telling you they're acting it um, and, and behaving in those ways. I mean, then there is no room for those that don't follow those same expectations, and it only makes your program stronger. Garrett, let's go right into the topic that, you know, you agreed to talk about, and I love this, is championing female athletes. Talk about the purpose of that and why you want to discuss that today. 
Yeah, I just, I, I think especially, you know, it, it really struck a chord just this week with March Madness. Um, you're looking down in San Antonio where, um, at, at the girls tournament and, you know, everybody's seen the pictures of the weight room, how it started. And, and then you, you know, you're looking over at the men's and you're like, wait, wait a minute, or how? Um, so it's so, it's so different. And it's just another reminder that the women's game is just a little bit behind the men's game at this point. And I don't necessarily think that's the women's fault. I think, I think a lot of it is, um, I tell my girls this all the time with our practices, you get into, you get out of it, what you put into it. Right. And I think a lot of times we're expecting the women's game to catch up, catch up, catch up, but we're not putting into it what we've put into the men's game. We're not putting the money into it. We're not putting um, the highest level coaches into it. We're not training our coaches well enough on the women's side. Um, we're not helping each other as coaches as much on the women's side. Um, all those kinds of things. And it, and it adds up. And um, I think just, you know, after, after seeing images like that, it's just a reminder of, um, those types of images and mindsets are constantly being reiterated to our young girls. Um, and so they're always like, well, of course it's, it's us. It's because we're the girls team. Right. No, you deserve a lot better. And, and I think it, once they have that mindset, they start raising the level of what they're doing. Um, and it really opens the doors for them for not only sure and their basketball season, but for the rest of their lives. Because if, if they see that there are other women out there, you know, performing at a high level or doing what they want, aspire to be one day, then suddenly it becomes like, hey, I can do that too. Um, and, and if you if you got people behind you that are supporting you instead of being like, oh, girl, girls don't do that. Girls, no, you shouldn't do that. It makes a difference. Um, and, and so just, you know, I, I think it's important for us as coaches to, you know, be creative and, and make sure that while we're still teaching the game and, and growing and developing young leaders and, and young women that we're really championing them across all realms of, of what they're doing in their lives. Um, Cause I think that just, it speaks to their confidence level and increases their confidence level and everything that they're doing. And um, it really makes a difference. I actually think, I mean, you look at it, the, um, the message board, I'll call it the message board that we're all on. Yeah. Most of them are girls coaches, man. I'm telling you, we had, I mean, talk about the high quality of coaches. I think some of the best coaches are, are women's coaches and high school female, uh, high school coaches um, that coach girl. I think, I think some of the best coaches are, I think it's getting better and better, but I also see a lot of coaches that are put into girls coaching positions that are not qualified, that are football coaches, I see a lot of that, Kara. Tell me what you see out there on quality coaching at the girls level. Yeah, no, certainly. I think, man, I, I know so many great girls coaches, you know, absolutely. I think we all do. And I think it's definitely, definitely getting better. Um, but, you know, as almost Nell Fortner said just the other day, sometimes girls basketball is just seen as the afterthought. So sometimes in hiring, you're making sure you're getting your top-notch guys coach because you know that's what's going to get get your your school and your program out there in the media, right? Is how well they're doing, and uh, we'll find find somebody in the building that can coach the girls' basketball right. team, right? It's just kind of an afterthought, um, and so that's where you know I think especially at, at the leadership front, um, it's important that we're putting high quality, high motivated people in those positions. Um, because it makes a difference. Because if you treat it like an afterthought, it's always gonna be an afterthought and it's never gonna catch up to where you want it to be. Um, but certainly I think, you know, there, there's a lot of really, really excellent girls coaches out there because I, I think the women's game in, in, its, in itself is much more not, I don't wanna say non-reliant on like pure athleticism and finesse, but there's a lot more X's and O's, slow down kind of options in the women's game. And a lot of that is, is coaching. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, talk a little bit about um, UConn, because when you talk about women's basketball, um, of course, Tennessee with Pat Summit and all that, I mean, she was the greatest coach of all time. I had a great opportunity to go see a lot of her clinics. What a great lady, man. Yeah. I still have all her clinic notes. 
Oh, um, I'm jealous. That's I cool. Mean, I, um, unbelievable. Not only that, Kara, I mean, when I lived in Virginia and coached at Amelia Academy, I went up to all the VCU, the Richmond. Yeah. I mean, I love that, that area right there, but it's a little bit too cold for me. So I, Man, I, I, hey, that's okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, but why is UConn, I mean, I don't think people give Gino Ariema enough credit. Amen. He's old standard. Talk about high standards. I think he's the best coach in America. Now, I know Coach K, all that, but man, he has such a high standard. Talk about him a little bit and what he's built, what he's meant to the women's game. Oh, 100%. Um, he's done so much for the women's game. And absolutely, um, you know, he took that program from the bottom and got it all the way to the top. And I think he'd be the first one to tell you that that all you know people might argue like well the women don't want to do it as much as the men they're not willing to sacrifice as much as the men are to get to that point or they're not going to work as hard to get there Gino probably the first one to tell you and has the proof of it in the pudding is that they will because his standards are so incredibly high and he doesn't have time for you if, if you're not gonna reach those standards uh, or excel past those standards um, and even now, you know, he, he was willing to take those bumps on the chin um, as he was younger to, to get to where this program, their program is now, which is still a dominant force um, in the women's game. But it's because of how he runs his program. Um, and, the, and, the, and the athletes that he brings in, they're the best now, especially at this point, they're the best athletes in the country for women's basketball. They're the best players in the country. Um, but you're not going to get by on just that because he can get another one another one of you just like that. He doesn't have time for it. So you really have to buy in to what he's doing in his system um, in order to flourish. And I think for us as women, their success and, and that of Tennessee is, as well at that point really showed the world that, hey, these, these girls are really dominant. They, they can really play. Like, this is fun to watch. I enjoy it. Um, and it's really just changed, I think, a lot of the countries and honestly, some of the world's uh, viewpoint on women's basketball. Um, and I think it just, you know, goes as a reminder to the rest of us that having high standards and, and holding kids accountable, even though it might, you know, sting in the short term, it's always going to pay off in the long term. Because um, nothing's more important than your culture and your standards. Yeah, absolutely. I, when you watch UConn, I always see UConn when I, uh, of course, Gino hasn't slowed down, man, even at his age. I'm being, I'm I know. His age, so I shouldn't talk. Um, but I, I see tremendous teamwork. I see great passing. There's really, I don't think they do anything great, but they do everything extremely well. That's I think a, that's a perfect way to put it. Man, it's such a pleasure to be on Championship Vision Podcast, one of the premier podcasts for top high school coaches and rising coaches in the game of basketball. My name is Michael Williams, and I'm the founder of the Williams Advancement Agency. WAA is a full-service agency here to assist all coaches at every level to be successful in the position they are now and obtain the future coaching position they're looking for. Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett, marketing manager here at Dr. Dish Basketball, and we're thrilled to be a part of the 2020 Championship Vision Virtual Clinic. Coach Kevin Furtado has been a great friend of ours for a few years now, and we greatly appreciate his commitment to growing the game the right way and providing great resources to the basketball coaching community. At Dr. Dish, we're always here to help as well with our state-of-the-art equipment, drills, and content. If you're ready to upgrade to the best training machines in the world and join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, Louisville, and countless others, we'd love to have you as a part of the Dr. Dish family. Remember, we take trade-ins on all shooting machines, including competitors, for significant discounts. And just by registering for this clinic, you're eligible to receive an additional exclusive $300 off your next Dr. Dish purchase. For more information, visit our website at drdishbasketball.com. Give us a call or shoot me an email directly at nick at drdishbasketball.com. And make sure to follow us on all social media channels at drdishbball. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable, and I love their little point guard. I forgot her name. Paige Bukers. Oh, my word, man. I mean, she's got a lot of guts, man. What do you think? Oh, she, she's gritty, and she's tough, and, and you can't teach that. Like, that, that's either in you or it's not, um, and, and she's got it. So she, she put that with what she can do on the floor, and that, that girl's unstoppable. It sounds like she played like you, because I did some research on you and your <laughs> sister on that. You sound like you, you're a little, you got a little grit. 
Yeah, I got a little grit in there. Talk about you and your sister. I heard, um, was it uh, you guys getting some fights and you go, go after each other and uh, Coach Starr had to kick you out of practice? Tell me about that. <laughs> so I have, I have a twin sister. Um, we, do, we do everything together. We've always done everything together. Um, and uh, growing up, I mean, neither of us lack competitiveness, that's for sure. And it, and it still stays that way. She actually still coaches for Coach Starr at Monacan. Um, so yeah, so she's over there with him, and um, e even now, her and I will still get into some battles more about our teams and how we think they'll match up. And yeah. but Lord, don't put us on the schedule because we might have a fist fight on the sideline. We both be looking for a job. But oh, that'd be a great game. Yeah, that'd be right. Great. It would. It would be a great game. It would be a great game. But um, no, <laughs> shoot. Grow, growing up, we we definitely had our share fair share of battles. Uh, there, there were times when, you know, at, at one point I, I'd had a back surgery and um, I, I was just got released to work out again. And Coach Char was like, great, I'm going to take, we'll take y'all up to the gym. You know, Les, we're the same size, right? Great matchup for you. She knows you just had surgery. We'll just play a little one-on-one, -on -one, see how it feels, you know, we'll go at it. And my parents were like, Larry, absolutely not don't take them up there you know they're gonna fight and he was like, oh it's okay I'll, I got it under control I'm the coach I got it <laughs> so you know we start we start trash talking each other a little bit and I go to check the ball up to her getting her grill and she just flat out just throws me right on the floor love, love <laughs> I'm sure that's not how she would tell the story <laughs> but that's how that's I'm right. telling the story and and uh, yeah I got the mic so I can tell the story <laughs> so um so coach star goes off I get up I'm fired up and he's like he's yelling he's like you know what you're done you're done walk home Les which isn't a huge deal my parents live like a, a block from the school but he was like nope you're out you're out the gym go home take her home me and Carol wrap up here and I finish my shots we pull in driveway Les is still sitting in, in the driveway waiting to go in the house and yeah. my parents were like I told y'all don't don't do that um but we are we're both i think you know for both of us we're both e each other's biggest cheerleader for one and definitely the biggest cheerleader for, for each other's teams um but at the same time we've got you know a lot of competitiveness competitiveness in us and um you know throughout our basketball i think us challenging each other as as players and even now challenging each other as coaches um it's really only helped us helped us grow um throughout this our entire journey through this basketball life we're living so it's, it's been a lot of fun hey let's add on to that because i think competitiveness I, I honestly i i don't think we do enough of that with girls i teach a lot of um i teach our girls uh, compete as a big part of our culture that that we have here um are we doing enough because i think our culture actually promotes more cooperative for females and still oh. competing. I think I teach us the opposite. I mean, we're competing to win every day. Don't you think we have to do that for our female players? Oh, absolutely. Because, and this is something I tell my girls all the time, because at Stewart, we are a small school and, you know, we're really much, we very much want to be very inclusive, you know, and, and everything's okay and all that kind of stuff. And I, part of our whole journey in changing our culture was like, y'all gotta be mean. Like, it's okay to go after your teammate and, and really get in each other's grill. And then at the end of the day, be like, hey, I love you. I'm, you know, we'll get back after tomorrow. Like, I'm still your biggest fan, but I'm gonna compete and I'm gonna fight against you as hard as I can. Um, because I think the biggest misconception with competitiveness um, is that, you know, you're being mean to somebody or, or you're picking on somebody. And, winners and losers and, and especially in our society these days you know it, it's not as much winning and losing you know everybody wants wants their fair shot to some degree um so teaching our kids to want to win um and be graceful when you lose because you get a lot out of losing but to compete and want to win is, is huge and that's something that we have to like you said you have to plan and, and purposefully put in your practices um, and, and how you operate in your program. I can't tell you the amount of times that we've been, you know, on this street, we've had a few bad practices in a row and I sit down with my assistants and we're like, next practice, scrapping offense, defense work, like every drill we're doing is a competition and you're on the same team the whole time and, and we're keeping this, we're keeping score on everything. Right. Um, and the level of intensity changes at that point. 
because suddenly, you know, you're playing for something tangible and they see that. But then you have to move on to, hey guys, I shouldn't always have to dangle in fruit in front of you to compete. But that's the level that we expect every single time. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you get stale in practice and stuff, it's nice to mix it up and do those things. But I think certainly they've been told all their lives, you know, yes, ma'am, no, sir, I I'm gonna just follow the grain and, and make sure everybody's happy and make sure we all get along. I don't really wanna hurt my friend's feelings by making them look bad. Right. Whereas from my perspective and our coaching staff, I, I want you to make her look bad now so she can look great later. Um, right now is, is where you're only making yourself and your teammates better if you're forcing people you know, into turnovers or they can't get down the floor when we're defending her um, and those kind of things. You, you don't get the greatness where we're all celebrated unless you kind of have that infighting, so to say, that, that competition between each other. Um, but, but changing that culture and that mindset that's very much ingrained in these young ladies growing up is tough. Yeah, that's a great point. You made, you had a lot of great points in there, Kara. Uh, what I'm thinking is I, I want to talk about the difference between the female mindset and the male mindset. Um, is it converging more now or is it separating in athletics? Because I still think there's a lot of male coaches out there that, um, I, I don't know if they're really teaching that. Is it, is it, or, or do we need to have more female coaches in the women's game to teach them how to compete? So I, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? What, what's the, what's really the differences in the female and the male mindset? Should we get more competitive in our practices and everything else? I think it's really uh, looking at the, the men's game, just looking at, at the boys playing on the floor in general you always look at them and everybody in there thinks they're the next LeBron James. Everybody's walking in that gym thinking they are it, right? Like, give me the ball, I'm gonna score it all. You're constantly dealing with that ego. Whereas I'm, you and I are probably walking into to, to a different gym where, you know, some of these girls are really confident, but then you got some that they've got a beautiful shot. They do a lot of great things, but they're almost hesitant and afraid to do so because they don't have that confidence yet. So I think the biggest part of our job and coaching young women, especially at the high school level, is building that confidence in our young women. And that just comes by, you know, reaffirming what they're doing. Um, yes, absolutely. Call them out when they're wrong and they make a mistake. A hundred percent. I'm not saying we don't do that because we do that a lot. But at the end of the day, we really want to celebrate their successes and put them in the position, the best position for them to be successful on the floor. Um, and I think that's kind of the mindset that you have to take when you're, when you're coaching these young girls, because they're number one, especially in the high school, they're at an age where they're already feeling, you know, a little insecure and they're not really sure of themselves and going out and competing. And there's only five of you on, a, on the floor against five others. You're in the spotlight, whether you want to be or not. Um, if your friends are there, your parents are there and people come to see your game, you know, the news is going to be posting about you. You know, somebody's putting you on their Snapchat. You don't want to make a mistake. And, and that fear of making mistakes and, and looking silly and failing is something that I think our girls deal with a lot more than our boys deal with. So how do we combat that as, as leaders of young women? Um, it, it's constantly showing them what they're doing great. It's constantly reaffirming um, the plays that they do really well. What are their strengths on the court? Remind them, tell them, celebrate it. Um, when they do have big games, make sure it's celebrated, not only on your team, but across, you know, all forms of communication your school or your community has, um, because they deserve to be celebrated. And they might not feel that all the time. And so once they kind of get, get the taste of it, then they know that they're working for something that's, that's really, really special. Um, and, and I just think we don't have enough of that right now. Do you feel like, and, and tell me if I'm off of my thinking, you know, um, do you encourage effort mistakes? Because I, I know in our practices, um, I, the worst thing with, with girls is when they make a mistake, it really, they really take it to heart. And, I, and I, I encourage mistakes, but you have to counter that with the next play theory. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't get on them for effort mistakes. I get on them for lack of hustle or mental. But uh, what do you do in your practices to encourage men going fearless all out? 
Oh, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, we absolutely are encouraging those effort mistakes because especially, you know, when we first got there, that was, you know, kind of the thinking like, well, I'm just going to hesitate and not do something. Um, and really that's in itself a worse mistake than you going full speed and, and turning it over in my book. Um, and that's something that we stress to our girls all the time. Like, look, if you're working hard and, and giving me all you got, I mean, I might be mad for a second, but that's one I forget really quick because you were trying and you were giving me your absolute best and you, you were out there risking everything, you know, you had on that play. I'm okay with that mistake. Um, those are certainly ones that, you know, we're not going to break down and film, you know, we're not going to sit there and harp over a, a silly effort mistake like that. Um, you move on to the next play. Um, and I think, and I think that also comes back to our girls. So too, even if they make an effort mistake, they're still thinking about that mistake. Right. Sure. And, and, and we've really just got to coach like, Hey, I, Hey, that's all right. Next play, you know, move on. I don't care. We're good. You're, you're, everything you're doing is what I want you to do. Um, if you make a mistake, we're all going to make mistakes. I tell my girls all the time, like I'm going to make a hundred mistakes coaching this game. So I'm not going to beat myself up over it because as long as, as I know, I'm giving my absolute best to you. And I feel like we prepared as best we can that's the best we can do. We might look silly and make mistakes, but isn't that life? Um, but I think that's definitely a lesson that's bigger than basketball and probably the greatest lesson that we could be teaching our, our young ladies right now. Kara, that's, I'm going to tell you, that's really hard to do. Cause I, I Hey, look at I know, man, my cat, Whoa. he's like, he hey, always wants to like, he wants the limelight, man. He's always stealing my thunder. I <laughs> don't care, man. I'm telling you, I don't, they don't care. I mean, no. Hey, um, I'm, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a scenario, and I think okay. just, and I think you can relate to this. A player makes a great defensive play, hustle play, and misses the layup. And my body language is bad because of the missed layup. To me, that's wrong. I got to really work on that. Hey, hey, that was a great effort play. Yes, you missed the layup. Don't we make a lot of those mistakes as coaches? As your body language as a coach after a great effort play, but on a missed shot which girls I think do miss a lot of layups, but that's, that's an old nether topic. Yeah. But, uh, talk about that a little bit. Oh, I, I gosh, I, I say you're so right because I am, I'm definitely one that wears my emotions on my sleeve. And that's something I've had to get better at because there'd be times when, right, we get a great steal. You're going down and you blow a layup and I'm just like, oh, exactly. And that, and it takes the wind out of their sails yeah. to them. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I just have to like, you know, you got to get your poker face on. Like, that's all right. Next play, next play. Like, we got to get it back. Um, and then it's something that like, shoot, we're going to get on it hard and, and hit it hard in practice. Um, but I think as coaches, that's just a mindset thing that you really have to retrain and, and control your own emotions on because as the leader, they are looking to mm -hmm. you for, uh, you know, re reassurance on what they're doing. And if they, they, I swear, there's nothing worse than them them knowing they've they've messed something up and and hurt what we're doing and, and I'm upset with them that's gonna upset them even more so yeah if I'm, I'm frustrated about a missed layup but I'd be more frustrated if you missed that layup and then stopped and looked at me with your hands held up like oh I'm sorry coach like no get your butt back on defense right. um but certainly I mean I, I think us as coaches have to take the time to you're coaching a mental game and, and the physical game at once, and, and especially, you know, with our young ladies. So how you carry yourself, how you react to their mistakes, all of that, they're smart. They're taking it all in, um, and, and that kind of spits back out on how they view themselves and how they view the way that they play the game and their success. Um, and we always want them to feel like win, lose, or draw. If you gave me your best effort, well, I have no reason to be upset, right? That's honestly the best thing that you can do in any facet of your life. We're not always going to be perfect. We're not always going to win every game, you know. But if you can honestly tell me you've put your best foot forward and done everything, shoot, you're a winner in my book. Uh, I, I totally agree. And I think I think our body language, I think coaches, I, that could be a whole nother study and podcast. Oh, man, yeah. Body language. I gotta, I'll gotta. i be honest with you. My body language sometimes is good, but I, I think a lot of times – my body language is not helpful to my team. Something I'm going to be working on next season. but Definitely a work in progress for me as well. It's one I always got to think on. Hey, just my, my last topic is I want to know, I want to steal. I always try to take a few things from every uh, guest I have on. Talk about 
what are your traditions on what you do there that's so unique that us girls coaches, we can, we can add that to our program? Wow, that's a great question. Um, we, our, our girls certainly, um, they've got, I'm sure they've got some, some traditions of their own that, that we don't know about, you know, our, our girls. But I, I yeah. think for us, and it's, it's almost a product of the Stewart School itself, um, but every, every year and every season, um, we have a middle school night and we have a lower school night. Mm -hmm. And um, both of those, we always have our girls' middle school team. We'll, we'll bring our varsity girls team in with our middle school schoolers the week before. And we'll get our girls in there working with them and hanging out and making sure that they're feeling, you know, comfortable and excited about it. And then we bring them in at halftime of our game and they'll play each other at halftime of one of our varsity games and we'll have them front row, free popcorn, you name it. Um, and they're all called out and they're all recognized. Um, just making sure that they're still feeling special for you're kind of next in line in this program. And we, we value you and, and we respect you and, and we want you to feel a part of it. Um, even if you're not there yet. Um, and, and same thing with the lower school, we kind of, we don't necessarily have a lower school team, um, but bringing those young girls in and it might be the first time they've ever gone to a girls basketball game and, and even seen a sport like that in person. Um, and our girls, you know, then after the game, we'll go out, thank them for coming, um, all that good stuff. And then another thing that, that we do um, is every year at Thanksgiving, um, we'll, we'll take about 45 minutes after practice and I've got about 200 thank you cards and we're going to, we're each going to take thank you cards and write thank you cards to members of our community until there are none left sitting on this table. Um, and I, and I'll make sure that each one of them gets hand delivered. And, um, because I just think it's so important for our kids to remember that so much more goes into their development than being able to play a sport than being able to, you know, even be at school there than, than what meets the eye. And there's a lot of people that myself included, we go through the day taking advantage of the relationships we have and what others do for us. Um, so getting them in the habit of writing thank you notes and really taking the time to reflect on how fortunate they are to be in the position that they're in. Um, I think, I think it's, it's huge. So we definitely take the time and I'll, <laughs> I'll speak to that too, is I personally, I, my tradition is, in the playoffs before our state championship game, I always write our girls a handwritten note that I deliver to them throughout the school day. And same thing goes for senior night. So when they're seniors on the day of senior night, they'll get a handwritten note from me. Well, you knew, I knew they were learning when for my birthday this year, they, they had decorated my office, surprised me the whole uh, nine. Cool. But sitting on my desk was a stack of cards that they had each handwritten me a note back. Cause it's just, I usually do it on just like a, uh, like an index card, note card, and mm -hmm. I'll write them something. And they had done the same thing for me on my birthday. And I was like, message received. Like I'm, you know, when you, when you get to that point, they really learned something and they really taken something away. Um, and then finally, every year we do a service project. Um, this year was kind of our first year we really didn't get to with COVID. There was wow. just so, so many hurdles you'd have to get over, but, um, in the past, we always do Special Olympics. So every Saturday, our Special Olympics team comes in and we stay with them after morning practice and, and work with them and hang out and have a, have a blast. They are so much fun. And our girls absolutely love being there with them. And then our girls will take turns going to the game, like who, who's going to their games each week um, and hanging out on the sidelines with them, hopping in, helping. And I tell you what, it means so much to those families and they're also the ones that are coming to watch us play um, because now they, they have a, a tie to our program um, and, and our kids have a blast. Um, and then we, Stewart's also unique in a lot of different ways. So last year, our service product, uh, service project, we had a, um, one of the family members of one of my young ladies, her mother had to have um, a double lung transplant. She had been very, very sick for a while. And, um, you know, as a team, we had really, really done a lot to rally behind her and her family. And um, finally, she was able to get the double lung transplant. Everything went great. So glad she was so healthy and she was able to come back to games again, which was incredible. 
Um, so we partnered with our art department at Steward and, um, and UNOS, the United Network for Organ um, Donation. And we, we got together and we had each of our girls create their art and, and we did a whole art show with UNOS um, and all the proceeds went back to UNOS um, and, and our art teachers. So our kids could, we had several kids just do individual works that they had already created. And then we went in with our, with our art, our teachers after school and we did one big piece together as a team that we contributed to the art um, program. And then we did a few other like projects that we did as a team, but they were like more individualized kind of thing. Um, and we did it all together. So it was definitely like a team bonding experience for us, but it was very personal for a lot of us. Um, and man, to, to, it was just so amazing because that night, you know, we got to actually go to the opening of the gallery. It was downtown um, in, in their big, uh, you know, gallery and everything. And you kind of see it all come to fruition. Like we had just been in the art room together as a group and um, after practices and stuff. And, and number one, you find out a lot about your kids. They got a lot of different talents and we got some really talented artists on our teams as well. Um, but, you know, just being able to share that with the community um, and, and give back in that way that was very unique to our program and to our kids. I mean, I think it means even more when you're able to pinpoint, you know, something and, and really, really go in wholeheartedly. That, that was awesome for us. Giving back. I mean, that's, that's what I, I, you guys have, I mean, I love all those ideas. Uh, I would love to know more about your middle school and lower school night coach. If you can send me maybe some details on how you guys run that. Yeah. Uh, and, but I, I love that. I love the, the service projects. I don't think enough people, coaches do enough of that. Um, do you think, and it's not, first of all, it's not, we, we all focus on state championships and you have won them. Do you think by doing those, those activities, the thank you cards, all that helped you become more successful on the court? Um, I do. I, I really do. Because I think, um, you know, that attitude and mindset of gratitude is huge in anything you do. Um, and I think our kids really, you know, have taken on, like, the, we are really lucky to be in the position that we're in. We're really lucky to be a part of this program, to be at the steward school, to have the resources we have. And at the end of the day, we're just playing a basketball game. Um, and so much more goes in, goes into it. Um, and then also as far as, you know, team bonding, we spend a lot of time with each other outside and off the basketball court and outside of school. And I tell you, there's, you know, if, if your team doesn't have chemistry, it doesn't matter how good you are. You could have five, you know, NBA draft picks out there, but if, if they can't pass and they can't, you know, read each other on the floor and they're arguing all the time, you're never going to have the success. I don't care how much talent you have. Um, and for us, our kids just are incredibly close. And um, it, it really has paid off for us in, in the long run. Yeah, that's a great point. Those are words of wisdom, Kara. I love that. And I hope a lot of the coaches uh, take heed to all that advice. Hey, before you go, and I, I, I told you earlier, I, I was going to try to keep it to 45 minutes. So, I mean, I, I, that's tough for me. Um, it's tough. Me too. I'm, I'm a talker. <laughs> but be, before we go, talk about, I have one of my former players um, is my assistant coach, Shelby Young. Um, and uh, she's great. She played for me and she knows what I'm about. Mm -hmm. uh, she's growing as a coach. Uh, she's not quite ready yet. Uh, and really, the, I don't know when she'll be ready, but she, um, she's going to be a head coach one day. Um, and I take a lot of pride in my players becoming coaches. And uh, what do you think about that? Are we grooming enough female coaches? Uh, I mean, or are female coaches going into other occupations? Yeah, give, give me some, just give me some insight into that. Man, I, I think it. I think it's so tough. Um, I, I think that's the best thing in the world is to groom those young coaches and those young female coaches. And um, a lot of times it's really hard for women to, you know, especially, you know, once they start having families and all that, to, to give that, that piece of their life up because you and I know, you know, we spend a ton of time on our teams, mm -hmm. a ton of time away from our families, a ton of time just dive you don't have a social life you just dive into what you're doing um and that's kind of what coaching is you know it's a passion and, and you got to be willing to do that 
Um, and I think just, you know, how roles have traditionally gone in our society, you know, it's harder for women, especially, you know, as they, as they get older and, and they're having families, I'm not sure they want to take for better or for worse. It's hard to take that time away from your family. Right. Um, and, and especially as a mother. Um, so I think we absolutely need to, to groom these young females and you've seen, you know, at the highest level, you know, you have Brenda Freeze with, with her kids and, and all that, you see that it can work, um, but it's a balance and it's a struggle. Um, so I think as, as we start these young coaches off younger, um, it, it's great to get them hook, line and sinker in. And the more that they see these other women that are able to do that and to be able to balance life, um, a family at home and, and be, you know, all in on your coaching, yeah, it's, I'm definitely not saying that it's easy, but it can be done. Um, and, and for us young female coaches that are aspiring to coach, I don't think anyone's naive enough to think that, you know, you can just jump right on in and, and you're going to have it all down. Like you got to take the time to learn and, and really pursue your craft. And if somebody takes an op a chance on you and you take an opportunity to coach under somebody, you, you've really got to listen and, and learn. Um, and, and value that time as an assistant as you're, as you're, you know, trying to get up the ladder, because if you rush it, then it's not going to be a great experience for anyone. Um, but, but the more we can get our, our young women in there, the better. Um, I mean, I was, I was lucky. I was fortunate enough to um, be nominated and selected for the WBCA. So you want to be a coach program. Um, when I was a senior in college, um, my college coach really encouraged me to do that. And I'm so glad she did because it's probably something that I would have never, you know, thought about doing if she hadn't brought it to me and been like, you would be perfect for this. You know, you should, you should apply. And I did, and I got selected. And with that program, you know, you get to go down to the final four, you're there and you get to basically listen to the best, brightest minds in the game, in the women's game at that level. Um, and, and you're granted first, first class access to everything at, at that convention. And what an opportunity for a young woman to have. Um, and so the more opportunities that we can, we can give our young ladies and, and, and take advantage of, honestly, the better. Yeah, those final four clinics are awesome. I just want to yeah. tell you. I mean, it's the coolest thing I've ever, ever done is, I was, I was like a kid in a candy shop, you know? Oh, about that, man. I mean, you're probably at the end, you're probably mentally exhausted for writing so many notes, I'm sure. No, but it's, um, it's great, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they are great. I think they're all this year. I think I read, tell me if I'm wrong. I think they're all online or Zoom. I yeah. think correct. Yeah. So uh, it's a little different feel, but still really cool. At least you can still, you know, be a part of it and listen. Absolutely. I'll listen any day. <laughs> well, I know a lot of coaches are going to be listening to this, Kara. How can, how can they get a hold of you if they want to find more information about our topic and your program? Certainly, you can, you can always shoot me an email at kara.basil at stewardschool.org. Um, call me, uh, anything really, write, write me a letter, send it to Stuart. I'll get it. That, um, <laughs> any way I can help, help you though, I would love to, cause I know, shoot, I've, I've had reached out to so many people, even that have, you know, heard on this podcast and I know everybody's super willing to help and, and listen. So if I can do the same for someone else, please don't hesitate to reach out. Yes. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Yeah, I, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, I know a lot of people are going to be listening to you. You gave them some great insight. Um, Kara, thank you so much. I wish you the best. And uh, I wish you the, the best on kind of re, kind of regrooving, rebuilding your program back to where it is right now. I mean, I know you can hey, do a great job on that. I'll, I always love a good challenge. And, and that's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm going to miss my girls so much. But it's, it's kind of rejuvenating to be like, we're starting over again. We're, we're going to get back on this thing. But um, I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it was great. Kara, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, take care. And I'll be seeing all the texts of all you coaches from Virginia. I, I know more about Virginia basketball than I ever have. We're here to entertain, that's for sure. All right, take care, Coach. Thank you. Hello, my name is Coach Charlie Miller, Headmaster Trainer with the TAC Basketball Academy in Dallas, Texas. I'm here to promote the upcoming Championship Vision Podcast Clinic Series brought to us by Coach Kevin Furtado from Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. Coach Furtado is a well-respected, sought-after coach and found other coaches like him to share their best practices and secrets to success with players, parents, and teams. 
the clinic will provide two types of virtual clinics, lecture style via Zoomcast and on-court instructions with coaches and players. Again, my name is Coach Charlie Miller from Attack Basketball Academy, where we work with kids from third grade through high school in a positive and growth-oriented atmosphere that promotes a whole-body approach to well-being. Our programs are designed not only to improve your child's ability on the court, but also to teach him or her valuable skills that will serve them throughout their lives. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential.